to the podcast, Move Forth with Grace. We will be reading the whole Bible in the year 2024. This is such a perfect way to get into God's Word each day and to develop your own relationship with God our Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. I am your host, Angela, and want to first of all say that I am not an expert in theology or church history or a minister, and I never will claim to be. I am a wife and mother who has been reborn and want to be of service to God in gratitude for calling me back home. Welcome to the podcast. The Bible that I will be reading from is the One Year Bible. It is a New Living Translation, and you can find one at www.tendale.com. This episode is brought to you by the Move Forth brand. It encompasses freedom, health, and God's grace. We are created in God's image perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully, and there's nothing that we need to do to earn his grace and his healing. He simply gives it to us. I'm certified in health and life coaching, but no longer practice. However, I have health tips and resources, products that I love and use, homeschool tips, and merchandise available on my website, and that is www.move-forth.com. One of my favorite products on my website that I use each day are stem cell activation patches. Stem cell therapy can be very costly and can produce results that are short-lived, which is why these patches are so brilliant. They're not considered to be stem cell therapy. They actually activate our own body's production of stem cells and support our health and well-being, all while optimizing our immune system. You can find those on my website as well, www.move-forth.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for becoming less like you and more like Jesus. May you move forth with grace today. All right, today is day 34. And we're going to be reading Exodus 17, 8 through 19, 15, Matthew 22, 34 through 23, 12, Psalms 27, 7 through 14, and Proverbs 6, 27 through 35. Let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this time in your word today. Thank you for all the lessons that we get to learn and the reflections that we get to have and the gratitude that we get to show you for your salvation of us all through your son, Jesus Christ. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 17, 8 through 19, 15. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed up to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Moses's father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. Earlier, Moses had sent his wife Zipporah and his two sons back to Jethro, who had taken them in. 
Moses' first son was named Gershom, for Moses had said, when the boy was born, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. His second son was named Eleazar, for Moses had said, the God of my ancestors was my helper. He rescued me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a message to Moses, saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told about all the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said, for he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God, when a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You are going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now, listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees, and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry out the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice, and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought their major causes to cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, 
Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak to you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord that the people, what the people had said. Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people. Be careful, do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. However, when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, then the people may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down to the people. He consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes. He told them, get ready for the third day, and until then, abstain from having sexual intercourse. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through twenty-three twelve. But when the Pharisees heard that he had, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Then, surrounded by the Pharisees, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? They replied, He is the son of David. Jesus responded, Then why does David, speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit, call the Messiah, my Lord? For David said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David called the Messiah, my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? No one could answer him. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels. And they love to sit at the head table at banquets, in the seats of honor, in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. 
And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Psalm 27, 7-14 Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. While I am here in the land of the living, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Proverbs six twenty-seven through 35 Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? So it is with the man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will not go unpunished. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he is starving. But if he is caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. He will be wounded and disgraced. His shame will never be erased. For the woman's jealous husband will be furious, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation, nor be satisfied with a payoff of any size. And that concludes our reading time today. All right. So we had the we had the introduction of Joshua here, and that is the Joshua that wrote the book of Joshua, and he was um, the one who led all of Israel into the land that God had promised them at the end of their time in the wilderness. And so in this battle, as Moses kept his the staff raised, they would be in the advantage. But if his hands dropped, then Amal- the Amalekites would gain advantage. So that is a very interesting um, just detail of this battle. And so who, who was... Amalek. Well, the Amalekites were descendants of Amalek, a grandson of Esau. And we have read about Esau. They were a fierce nomadic tribe that lived in the desert region of the Dead Sea. They made part of their livelihood by conducting frequent raids on other settlements and carrying off booty. They killed for pleasure. One of the greatest insults in Israelite culture was to call someone a friend of Amalek. When the Israelites entered the region, the Amalekites saw this as a perfect opportunity for both pleasure and profit. For the Israelites, former slaves, to defeat such a warlike nation was more than enough proof that God was with them as he had promised. So that really must have caused a pretty big um, wave throughout the area that former slaves conquered these this tribe of uh, warriors 
right? So that's a, a very big detail there. And let's see. Um, Jethro's advice here on, you know, hiring others. This comes from the study Bible. I'm just paraphrasing here. Uh, he That also uh, led to how the structure of how they would do things uh, when they get settled in the promised land, that would be how they would start doing, I guess, for lack of a better word, their government there. So this was kind of um, a way to get that started now, um, even before they were in the land, even when they were out in the wilderness, this is how they, they handled it. So that was um, good advice on his part. And also Jethro, he represents um, another non-Jewish person who believed in God, who had faith in God, who, who feared God, right? So that is another representation of someone outside of the Israelites who um, feared the same God that Moses did. And Moses actually introduced Jethro to God by living with him and marrying one of his daughters. So, and over in Matthew today, um, let's see here. I just want to review something really quickly. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. It's in 23, 2 through 3 here. And Jesus said, The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. In other translations, I think it says the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So let's see, what does that exactly, what, what was Jesus saying there? What did he mean? So the Pharisees' traditions and their interpretations and applications of the laws had become as important to them as God's law itself. Therefore, they were putting themselves in the place of Moses, who had originally brought the law to Israel. Their laws were not all bad. Some were beneficial. The problem arose when the religious leaders, one, took man-made rules as seriously as God's laws, two, told the people to obey these rules but did not do so themselves, or three, obeyed the rules not to honor God but to make themselves look good. Usually Jesus did not condemn what the Pharisees taught but what they were, and he considered them to be hypocrites. And what were these little prayer boxes that they would read? These little prayer boxes called phylacteries contained Bible verses. The Pharisees wore them because in Exodus 13, 9 and 16, command people to keep God's word close to their hearts. And they took this literally. But these little prayer boxes had become more important for the status they gave than for the truth they contained. And there's, you know, many things that can be status symbols now in our modern world, right? It's like, you know, what kind of car you have or what kind of phone you have, um, you know, that, that can definitely, um, just cause us to look a little, uh, you know, or, or maybe be judged by others. Right. Um, so those could be some modern day examples of, um, you know, of things that we think that are so much more important when, the meaning of them gets completely lost. So, 
And in our psalm today, just continued um, the prayer from David and the last verse there, uh, 2714, wait patiently for the Lord, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And in the study Bible, um, it just goes to point out that David knew from experience what it meant to wait for the Lord. He had been anointed king at the age of 16, but he didn't become the king until he was 30. And again, I thought that was, there's another significant, um, let's see, coincidence there. It's not a coincidence. It's actually totally done on purpose. Um, He was 30 when he became king, and Joseph was 30 when he was given the responsibilities uh, from Pharaoh, and Jesus was 30 when he began his ministry. So another, um, what what is the word that I'm looking for, y'all? My goodness. Um, another, Another thing that points to Jesus, let's just call it a thing, right? So let's go ahead and end with our prayer today. Dear Lord, thank you again for just your presence with us in our lives. Thank you for your blessings upon us, Father, your grace and mercy especially. We are safe in your mercy, and we can find comfort and peace and rest there because you sent Jesus to die for all of us, to wash us clean and sanctify us, and to help us to understand that by placing our faith in Jesus, that we are no longer living as we did before. We are new creations in Christ. And Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to look more and more like Christ each and every day through the help of your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we just thank you for sending him to us to comfort us, to guide us, to give us wisdom as we wait for Jesus's return again. We just thank you, Father, for being our protector and provider and for being our everything. We say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that concludes our episode for today. Just so grateful that you are here, that you are joining in, that you are uh, reading or listening to the Word of God each day in your life. I look forward to being with you in the next episode. Take care.